proof. But if you will, I just feel like um, there are people that just need encouragement today and strength, strengthening today. So not in a pep rally form, but imagine if you could take a spiritual B12 uh, IV filled with nothing but the word of God and promises. And if you will, would you allow me that? I'm prepared. I can show you my notes. I, I, I've been to church before where the guy got up and rambled. I had the thought, wait, I said, he ain't ready. <laughs> He's not prepared. I am prepared, but I, 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 I just feel from a moment ago that that was a, a nerve for today. Would you allow me that grace? Just to encourage you. God is faithful. Faithful, which means full of. You, you can bank on him. We, we spoke about his workings and how everything is connected. For us, it's hard to live an individual Christian life without a performance anxiety to be better, to be holier, to be pure. Noble, noble desires. We live in a constant state of disappointment with ourselves and with others. I ought to, Lord, I ought to laugh more. I ought to enjoy things more. I ought to, I ought to, I ought to, I ought to, and you fill in the blanks. We fall into the trap of trying to make this world feel like a home that we've not entered into yet. Do you know what that I ought to, I ought to, I ought to? It's the groaning in our hearts that we might be clothed upon fully. Yes, we've been born again. Yes, we've been made into the image of God's Son, but there's still a glorification to do. Now we still struggle with our flesh. Anybody besides me? We still struggle. Do you know when you get to heaven that God is going to remove from you the capacity to sin? Angels still have opportunity to sin. All you have to do is look in the book of Jude, how they left not their first estate and they can choose. But for Brother John, how can you say that? Because the Bible says when we get there, that we'll never leave. We'll go no more out. And so shall we ever, forever be with the Lord. Trust me, if I have a chance to fail, I'll fail. And then God would have to cast me out of his presence. The culmination of your salvation is the old Adamic nature is purged from you. Burn out, pushed out. And the want-tos for God will culminate in your life. The holiness will not just be imparted, it will be full. Desires will be changed. Expressions will be changed. We want this world to feel like, you say, heaven on earth. We want it to feel like home. And it's not. I don't care how you dress up, the Sunday morning service, no matter how you, all it does is remind you of where you're going. I love God's house. These people, I can get it on TV. No, I can't. That's not the same thing. That's, that's like hunting on TV or fishing on TV. You know, wasn't that fun? I'm grateful for the online presence. You know what I'm saying? 
But we, we want the world, for me, if I, I, I'm, I've been like this for years. If I can just get to God's house, if I can just get in the presence of his people. and his, Why? Because there's a measure of spirit, an expression, uh, a giving of his spirit in the corporate setting that's different than that on an individual basis. He said, where two or three have gathered in my name, I'm right in the midst of you, moving, interacting. And we want the world to feel like that. And we want our home to always feel like that. Understand that you are nomadic. You're an alien here. It's like if you dropped us off in a third world country. We don't speak their language. I heard a story of a lady in a nursing home. It's not original with me, but I just thought it was beautiful. You know, they'll come and go in their mind. And the pastor was visiting with her. And he said, how you doing, sister? She said, I'm all right. She goes, uh, they, they, they make a lot of noise in this place. He said, they do. She goes, yeah, but it ain't our kind of noise. She was talking about the music, the songs. They sing a lot of songs at work, but not our kind of songs. They have a lot of priorities pushed upon us, but they're not our priorities. You're never going to shake that nomadic reality. But fulfillment does come in embracing it. It's like the person that goes to the away Georgia game. You know, you go into the swamp and you're sitting in the middle of all the Florida colors and you just sit right in the middle. And you just, that's how I roll. This is how, this is how we are in this world. A lot of contemporary preachers use manipulation, uh, mentalist type of things uh, to rev up a service to create an emotional or motivational hype that will last you to Burger King. What we need are spiritual realities that we can clearly articulate to ourselves and to others that transcend the difficulties, that transcend the opposition, that, that gives you a strength and a buoyancy that knowledge, the knowledge of God, the awareness of God, the expectation of God, that gives you capacity, capacity, to navigate all of life's difficulties and challenges and straits. If you knew how secure you were, you would walk into freedom and never walk out. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. No thing. No thing. So why are we anxious? Because there's a part of us a familiar spirit, if you will, that we've not rooted out that believes that we could do better than God. We know better. Be anxious for no thing. How can we really... John, with all that's out there, with all the uncertainty coming, how is it possible to be anxious for nothing when you see God first? Before you see... They're talking about who they're going to... Uh, who the electoral college is going to present. Rightfully so, big issue. But if you see God first, 
Listen, we've had seated presidents that claimed to be Christian that weren't Christians. <laughs> we've had them that were Muslim and said they were Christians. We've had them that said they were Christians and they were Satanist. We, we, you look over our history, it's not an issue of lining everything up and getting the color in the Senate we want and the color in the House we want and the person in the, in, in the presidency we want. And we do want those things as close to righteousness as we can get. But, but the, the peace of God comes not in positioning people where you want, but seeing God first. First. I t quoted a couple weeks ago that part from uh, Isaiah when he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, which meant, man, we lost a king. What are, what are we going to do? Who's going to be the next one? Other nations are looking to see if they can come in and attack. The, the economic uh, system becomes fragile and shakes. Uh, enemies start to look in. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Well, he died. He, I know that. But I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. God rules. God rules and reigns. And the gift to the believer is not always the orchestration of circumstances. It's the resident, profound, unmistakable reality of peace in your heart. When you can say, and your blood pressure doesn't change, you can say, I don't know, but I see the Lord. I don't know, but I know the Lord. I don't know, but I expect the Lord to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. He's a God that answers prayers, covenant prayers, and keeps his promise to a thousand generations. I'm not anything special, but I'm an answer to a prayer. I am a fulfillment of a promise. My daddy, right before he died, my daddy died when I, for those new to our church, everybody else has heard it a hundred times, but it's my story, baby. And it's all I got. It's the only one I got. It doesn't change. My daddy got sick when I was nine, and my daddy was my person. He was my person. And he got sick when I was nine, and he died when I was 11. And um, we watched him literally rot away for two years with his kidney cancer. He was 6'1", and when he died, he weighed like 96 pounds. He went blind, lost his hair. It was, it was horrible. Um, and when he died, that was, for me, the turning point. I said, that's it. If that's who God is. You know, my buddy down the street, his daddy's a raging alcoholic, and he beats his children. They would literally put on their football helmets when he would come in drunk. And this guy's daddy lives and mine dies, you know, so I, I said, that's it. So I, I, I'm not saying that as a noble gesture. It's just a kid that his circuits were blown. And, you know, I was fasting and praying. I'm not eating as a kid, praying for my daddy to get well. And when he died, I said, that's, that's it. So long story short, in God's grace and patience, he waits for me to be reconciled back to himself. I was born again, but I was away from him. And at 24, uh, he received me back unto himself. And I found out that my seat at the table hadn't been given away and my bed hadn't been given away. And in the father's house, I was still known as his son, not a servant. You know, it was a really 
wonderful, beautiful thing. And I, I answered the call to preach within about two weeks. Uh, I was the first, oh shoot, five or six months of my salvation. I would just go through the newspaper. There wasn't no internet back then. I know some of y'all can't comprehend that. It wasn't cell phones. But my little girl, Olivia, said, Daddy, did you live in the old days? I said, yeah. <laughs> so I would just look in the newspaper for who was having services. And I would just go to services. And the guy got done preaching. And uh, again, I'm not saying this for sympathy. You, I just, I didn't have a man in my life. I didn't have a, 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 a physical man. I didn't have a spiritual, an emotion. I didn't have anybody. So I waited for after service and followed him out to his car. I remember it like yesterday. I said, excuse me. He, he was a guest speaker at this church. And I said, excuse me. I, 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 can I talk to you just a second? He said, sure. I said, I, I think God's called me to preach. He said, well, of course he has. And got in his car. <laughs> I said, oh. you remember I told you everything's connected? That one phrase, of course he had unlocked a lock in my heart. And I went, of course he has. So I go home and tell my mom, I said, mama, I think daddy's called me. I think the Lord's called me to preach. She said, what'd you say? I thought I said something wrong. You know, nothing. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> what'd you say? I said, mama, I think daddy's called. I think the Lord's called me to preach. She says, sit down. I want to tell you something. I said, what? And I'm giving you just the cliff notes. She said, uh, three days before your daddy died, uh, he was coming in and out of lucidity all of the time. I mean, it was, he, he was coming in and out of his mind from the medicines that they were giving him as well as his own sickness. And she said, Johnny, he was just as lucid as I'm talking to you. He said, well, good morning, darling. Said, Rev? That's what she called him, Rev. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Kelly calls me Bishop. I like that too, does <laughs> She said, Rev, she goes, sit down. I, I got to tell you something. I said, what? I said, the angel of the Lord appeared to me last night. She, he's not one of those that saw an angel every three weeks, you know, and sees demon and light bulbs, nothing like that, you know. Never said he saw one before. And she said, you did? He came in the room, sat down beside me, and we had a conversation. And she was looking at me, Roger, she, for real? He said, what did he say? Well, he said that I'm going home in three days. I'm going home. And I'll have a chance to say goodbye to all of you. There's no hurry. There's no rush. There's no fear of not getting the goodbyes and I can die in your arms and die with you. But he told me a little bit about all of the kids. And she said, before your daddy died, he told me that the angel of the Lord told him that Johnny's going to run farther from God than anybody else. But if you'll just hold on to God's faithfulness and promise that I'm telling you today, you will hear him tell you with your ears, Mama, I think God has called me to preach. And she said, this day has the Lord kept his promise to me. Now, me preaching it's not the point. There are a lot of preachers. There's a lot of better men than me. It's when you see in your individual lives that God is not only, not only is there a thread running, but he holds the needle. 
He's the orchestrator. He's the author, not just of your faith, but of every intention and plan in your life. And if he tells you he's going to do something, the more sure word of prophecy is the Bible in your lap. Nothing can ever contradict that. But he will tell you things about your kids. He will tell you things about your life. He'll tell you what's going to come. Brother John, where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. He'll show you things to come. One of the things that keeps us grounded, and we sing about these things, but to flesh it out, is that I don't have to see him working for him to know he's working. I, I don't have to be able to connect the pieces to know the pieces are connected. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, everything, every time, working, interconnected. Well, I thought you'd forgot. Just because the promise fades in your mind doesn't mean the ink fades in his ledger. God keeps his promises to a thousand generations. I told you that story to preempt. Uh, Kelly doesn't even know this. Uh, this morning, my little boy rode with me to church. He said, Daddy, can I ride with you? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, so we're in the car and we're playing our little games and talking. And you know the prayer I have for him. That, you know, that I didn't have an Elijah, but I want to be his. If you, if I don't care how small I get in ministry, if Jesus tarries, that he might be all that God's called him to be. So we're talking, playing, and he looks at me this morning, and God's listening. I'm not exaggerating. His face was glowing. And I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror. He goes, Daddy, I love God. I said, I know you do, buddy. He goes, I really, really love him. All I ever said was, Lord, if you give me a little boy, an infant, I'm going to name him Elisha. And I have one, one prayer. Put twice of your presence upon him, twice of your anointing, of your gifting. God, I'll push, I'll get behind and push, you know, for that to happen. So John, what, what does this have to do with what you're telling us? I'm trying to tell you. It's in everything. It's in every little thing. It's in the big things like raising our kids. It's in the little things about who we met and you know, I was thinking this morning uh, when I was at Mercer, there was a beautiful girl. Sorry, Kelly. She was beautiful. Uh, well, Kelly just a moment ago didn't know who I was. And she goes, on behalf of Christ Chapel and uh, my husband, uh, uh, and I'm like, John? She said, I'm tired. So then she got ready to pray for me up here. She said, um, um, I said, just, just, just thank the Lord. She goes, thank you, Lord. Yeah. So I tell you all our secrets. It's bad. She's in a sleep coma. You know, Kelly does some of her best driving sleep, you know. Uh, but there was a girl there at school named Sarah, who you've heard me refer to. Uh, she was beautiful. I, I remember 
uh, asking her out. And I told her, I never had game when I had game. It was not good. And I said, um, are you doing anything Friday? You know, I said, uh, I just think I'd die if you'd go with me. So it was something like that. It was real cheesy. She thought it was cute, you know, so we went. But never really clicked like, you know, when you just fall for someone. But I really liked her. Sarah was the person God put at Mercer to remind me who I was supposed to be. She loved the Lord. She struggled with some of the college things that other kids did. She'd go out and drink just a little bit, but then she'd grieve and repent. She'd grieve and repent. And the whole time I was at Mercer, every now and then we'd go out and again, it just, that part wasn't what either of us had planned on, but I'd find little cards in my mailbox. Uh, we had mailboxes back then. E there, was, there was an email. It was a mailbox. You had to go check it and spin the dial, get your mail out. And she said, thinking and praying for you this morning that you will become all that God has planned for you to be. Did you know that God has positioned people, reminders, subtle and loud, visible and invisible, all along your way to nudge you, push you, pull you up, pull you back, stand in your way. I'm reflecting this morning while I'm talking to you is that he had prepared for every season of my life. My uh, brain dead teen and early 20 years, brain dead. Give your kids some slack, just remember. <laughs> brain dead years. Rebellious, wounded. He has placed handfuls on purpose for you to sustain you during those times. He keeps his promise. You really think you're going to be the first person he ever lied to? Think of that phrase. Well, you had a great track record. Tell me. You failed me. What's it going to take for us to go from information to revelation? With what's ahead of us, the greatest thing you can have is a settled revelation of who Jesus Christ is in the world. A settled revelation where you can say, baby, if we don't know anything else. Kelly and I do this. We'll, we'll take hands and we'll say, Lord, we just commit our family to you. Everything we have, you gave us. Uh, we've had nothing. You know, we lived in a shared apartment. A mother-in-law suite, we got married. Everything we have is yours. We just trust you with it. That doesn't solve the problems on the outside. It solves the problems on the inside. A revealed revelation of who Jesus is. Did you know he's the Lord that forgiveth all your iniquities? All. He's the Lord that healeth all your diseases. All. He's the Lord your provider. How, how much unbelief could there be in a heart that thinks that they would provide for their children better than God would provide for you? That would be a wicked heart of unbelief. God has plans. 
systematic plans, strategic plans, plans that are being implemented right now, supported plans, preserved plans, promised plans, which will soon be fulfilled plans. There is a this day the Lord is fulfilled in my ears moment for you. But you've got to believe for something. You know why we don't, do you know why we don't really believe, step out and lay hold of his garment? She said to herself, this wasn't the Lord talking to her. She said to herself, if I can touch God, I know I can be well. I know this can change. If I can touch God, the hem of his garment, which at the hem of his garment were ornaments and, and tassels, evidentiary of his glory and dignity and power. If I can touch him, I'll be well. Is that in you? Is there a, if we can, if I can grab God in this, I know that everything's going to be fine. I didn't say it would turn out like I want. I said it would be fine. I would be kept When's the last time you grabbed a hold of God for something improbable, impossible? Say, do it, Lord, for your glory. I did ask you for two years for my comfort, but now I'm asking for your glory. I'm asking for the sake of your glory in my life if I can but touch him. Might I visit that story for just a moment, the woman with an issue of blood? I'm not trying to be vulgar on a sensitive subject, but this was her natural menstrual cycle. Hers was perpetual for years and years. Not only did it affect her hormonally, but the Bible tells us that there is life in the blood. She was bleeding out for years. Anemic, without strength. Uh, can you imagine the despair the feeling of lethargy, mentally lethargic, emotionally lethargic. She was bouncing checks everywhere, mind, body, soul, spirit. And she got up one morning, she heard Jesus was coming, and she made her way through the crowd. Okay. You think these crowds are something like at a rock concert or at a football game where you're shoulder to shoulder. These people are trying to get Jesus to Jesus to save their life to save the life of their daughter or their son. She didn't make her way through that crowd. Now, I don't know this for a fact. I'm, I'm using mental reasonings here. I bet she crawled on her stomach between their legs because a woman who has had a constant outflow of blood for years and years did not have the strength to push through men like me and Jeremiah and Michael to get to Jesus because their daughters were dying. The crowd was like knit together. There was no, that's why Zacchaeus, who was a man, climbed a tree. He said, I ain't getting in there. So possibly this woman crawled on her stomach for I don't know how long. She's passed screaming unclean. Don't even care anymore. Because this is it. She gets to near him and she has to look up between the cloaks and the torsos of the people to see which one's Jesus. And she just touched his garment. And Jesus felt virtue go out of him. Now, 
I can't build a doctrine out of this, nor can I ignore it. She didn't ask. Jesus didn't say yes. But I believe that God who knows our thoughts, hears our prayers, and knows our truest intention, heard her when she said to herself, all I got to do is touch Jesus. That's all I got to do. And when she touched him, virtue went out of her. And Jesus spun around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, who touched you? All these people pressing in, bouncing all up against us. What do you mean who touched you? Mm-mm. Watch. Somebody touched me with faith. Could it be? Could it be? That you're too proud to crawl? Could it be that you're too addicted to pain? Could it be that you are so hung up on the last disappointment? This was me. Turn me down just a touch because I'm right in front of these speakers. That the last thing you prayed for didn't happen like you want, so now... You know, the goal of your Christianity is not to be disappointed. Stop crawling. Stop crying out. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. Keep my spot on the one with the issue because I'll forget. Blind Bartimaeus. So here's a man born blind. Has never seen anything. But he heard someone say that Jesus was nearby. Which way does a blind man go? Does anybody else mind thing like this, or am I the only one? So a blind man, he's hearing, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. What's he do? Jesus! <laughs> Just right where he was. The beauty of this. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me, son of David. And he was nearer than he thought. He didn't know. The disciples, shh, be quiet. You be quiet. You ain't born blind. Jesus, have mercy on me. He said, bring him to me. Some of y'all stopped crying out. You're in order. You're in so much order, you're out of order. Wonder why there's no cries from the crowd during preaching and singing. Where there's nobody grabbing on to the Christ because we have people of reputation with little testimony. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That I could see? And he opened his eyes. The first person he ever saw was Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that something? So this woman stood up. Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody. They said, mm -mm. somebody touched me with faith. He goes, it was me. He said, daughter, your faith made you whole. So does that mean every time I have faith, I'm made whole? Not at all. But that does not give you an excuse not to have it. I want, when I get to heaven, when it's time for me to fold up this earthly tent, I want there to be a couple of those where God said, you took that one. You just took it. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. 
Is there a tenacity? Is there any left before the return of Jesus Christ? Any tenacity that says, not my child, not my marriage, not my health, not my home, not my church, not today, not tomorrow. I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of uncertainty. Because I live and stand under the shadow of the Almighty God. That means he's in front of me and he's bigger than me to cast a shadow upon me. What are you believing for? Can I be real transparent with you in the last few minutes we have here? And I'm not talking primarily about me because we're okay. You think this situation is difficult for people. Pastors are struggling. Our churches, we're a third of what we normally run, a third in volunteers, a third in our giving. Some of them are being pressured where they're, it's just, it's just hard. And I want to ask you to do something. Um, I haven't read this. I didn't think it was a good idea. It's not a Pinterest idea. You know, nothing like that. So it must have been the spirit because I don't, my natural man doesn't think of others, but my spirit would. If you know of a man or woman of God or you know, any minister, missionary, or especially local pastors, won't you write them a quick half a page letter and encourage them? If you have time, find their address and send it in the mail. You know how much more it means, you know, if it's handwritten, just, hey, you've come too far. Be encouraged today. Just bless them. Having said that, you know, we stay at this position. For those of you new to our church, two years ago, we had a $7.5 million offer on our church. We felt when we bought it that God gave it to us for the equity in it. I long to sell this, build a three, 400 seat sanctuary with a great educational space. And had we closed on this building with, from our cash offer from a billion dollar corporation two years ago, it's cash offer, just ready to do it. And they just didn't show up at closing. No phone call, no nothing. Their, their attorney was there. He didn't know. Their agent was there. He didn't know. We didn't know. We would have netted $6 million. We could have built for three, three and a half and had $3 million to help facilitate other churches. I want to do that. Why have this echo chamber? And I'm grateful for it. Don't get me wrong. This is, it's not conducive. You know, it's like worshiping in a Sam's Club. You know, like this. I'm telling you, if Jesus tarries, you are going to be shocked. If we sell this building, if and when, and we build... And you're going to hear everybody singing. You go, everybody's been singing all along. Yes. You just can't scream loud enough for it to fill this room up. You're going to be like, ooh, we do worship. You're going to find out. You're going to find out. <laughs> but there's no worry in my heart about the what or the why or the where. People say, what about your building? I say, man, I don't know. I don't know. Sign sits out there. Cobwebs running on it from, you know, up to the tree. I thought you said it was supposed to. I thought it was. I bet you I could walk through and tap and every other person has one of those I thought it was in your life. So what do you do, John? Keep believing. Keep worshiping. 
and keep reaching out for that impossible thing. Without any detail, Kelly and I have walked uh, two times towards another adoption. And both times we saw the Lord's hand and it wasn't so. And there's a small chance we heard from somebody just yesterday. And I said, Lord, my family, I, I'm good with the three I got. I got about this much energy left before I fall. I'm going to fall in the grave holding the life insurance policies to Kelly like this. I just, oh, y'all laughing because you know. How many men in here over 55? You start over. <laughs> Tim said, I did. <laughs> and we're walking towards that. I told the Lord when I saw Elisha, I said, God, is he a peace? Is this little boy a kindred heart? He's a couple years older. Protector? Is he going to be the one that keeps his heart tender? through Lord, whatever you're doing, just have your way in my life. And I want you to know that I, I, I believe you for the impossible. When we bought this building, God gave me the idea how to ask, and I asked the owner of this building, I asked him for $5 million. He said, yes. Jeremiah, will you give me $5 million? <laughs> you, how, how does it happen? We stop asking God for big things. Not to consume it upon our own lust, because we, we don't ask for big things because we have small faith. Yes. You ain't got to tell me yes, but I thought I'd ask. I thought I would ask. Brooke, if you would come. Tammy, where are you at? Where's Tammy Toth? She better not have left. I called her out. Is she still here? You in the back? Oh, I just want to say, okay. Several years ago, my sister stopped me right over by that door. And she and her husband could, were having difficulty having kids. She believed. She said, Pastor John, just pray. I said, you got it. Let's do it right here prayed. And isn't it funny, if you were to ask me, what is the most common miraculous prayer that you have answered, John, in 30 years of ministry? Barren people having children and I'm sterile. Isn't that crazy? Happens all the time. All over. Happens all the time. So if you want babies and you and your husband sweet to each other, I'll pray for you. You know, I don't, I don't have no, it's not a magical thing. But I remember praying and, you know, we just prayed it. Find out we got twins. How old are they now? 18. But that trembling hand standing over here, like, just, we just, we can't have kids. Oh, yes, you can. Now, I can't speak for God, but let's just pray. How many Isaacs do you have? Could it be this uncomfortable situation is labor? Could it be that you've been in labor longer than you want because you didn't have the strength to bring forth? Sheila said, yep. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, which means if you thought about it, that's not it. Above what you can think. Oh, you thought about it. No, it's more than that. It's bigger than that. It's greater than that. It's greater than that. It's bigger than that. And he's working. 
If you look, and I'm doing this just for participation. Hey, I've been off the cuff here, so y'all have to help me. Does anybody in their home have a truly hand-woven rug in your house? Just slip your hand up. Is this correct? I don't know. Ours come from Sam, so it's printed on there. Uh, you got three kids, baby. You know, spill someone. Don't worry, it was $9. Not a problem. <laughs> on the top, you have this gorgeous print. I mean, you can, you know, you can tell quality in clothes and rugs. And if you turn it over, it looks like a circus of chaos. The strength, have anybody turned, I mean, it looks horrible like this. It's like, what in the world is going on? And some of you, God hasn't flipped your rug over. And you're going, what? what? Bonnie, he makes everything beautiful in its time. That was the theme of her weekend. And when he flips the rug over, rugs aren't for looking at. They're for living on. And my house is filled with mess. Oh my, y'all didn't tell me. My, my man cave has 4,000 Legos in it right now. Six helicopters, two G.I. Joes, stuffed animals, blankets, underwear, socks. You know what else it has? Daddy, I love you. It has joy and laughter and the rug that God's weaving is for you to live on and to live in. But you got you got to believe. Now this is the corrective part of your encouragement. And Jesus, this is the word of God. And Jesus did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. He said, you don't believe? Forget it. He would come in some towns, correct me if I'm wrong, those of you that read the scriptures. And it said he wouldn't do anything except heal just one or two people in a city. And he would go in another town and it said, and he healed everyone. Could it be you are living morally, not doing the fleshly sins with little to no faith? If you can believe, you will see the glory of God. That's what Jesus told him. Well, Lazarus is thinking, if you believe, you will see. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Your problem ain't your problem. Unbelief is your problem. Faithful people, not faithful like keeping the course, people full of faith. Faith-filled people have an expectation. It's right around the corner. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. That little boy could be my son. I don't know. Dear Lord, half the times it's like playing darts with a blindfold. But I've learned that when I get ready to offer up my prayer, there's the breath of God to blow it just where he wants it to go. And if I'm so, and I know who you, I, I can feel this in my heart. Brother John, you don't know. I have no capacity. I cannot do it. I always fail. I have learned for special people like you and I, we will throw the dart and he'll go and draw the bullseye around it. And say, there you go. There you go. Be encouraged. You could be a day away from God flipping that rug over. People come up. Y'all stand with me. People come up our driveway. 
at our house. And I don't, I don't mean this in a boast. Listen, I've had nothing. I've had nothing. And I live at this beautiful farm. And they'll drop the mail off and they'll go, this place is awesome. And I go, isn't it wonderful? The Lord gave me this. You should see the expressions I get. He gave me this. And I said, you want me to tell you the story? You do not. Oh, I absolutely do. I think I've told three of the four postal people. Yeah, I tell them. This rug that I'm living on, just a couple of years ago, it looked not so much. But with all my flaws and all my failures and all my weaknesses and all my insecurities, this little boy believes. We believe, Mama Sheila. We believe. We believe. And when God turned the captivity for me, I was like those that dream. And the people looked at my life and your life and said, the Lord has done wonderful things for him. God's not finished. God's not finished. God won't fail. God won't lie. Press in. Press forward. Grab hold. Answer him. It was me that touched you. Be it unto me according to your word. You pray a prayer like that and virgins conceive. Be it unto me according to your word. Mighty God. Pastor Wade, would you come pray? Hey, Mama Sheila. Mama Sheila, we're going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. So do you have something you're believing for? Did that stir in you? That we would have the tenacity to take hold of the altars of God. Couldn't help but as I sat there, think these words of Jesus. He said, come and buy from me you have no gold but God I don't have anything yeah exactly come and buy from me you do not have any gold and he says behold I set before you a banquet a table but how many times are we the one in the kitchen trying to cook up something because we feel we got to bring something to God Come eat. Come eat. But God, I, I'm, 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 I'm making this. Come eat. God, but we don't have it. It's enough. Come eat. Can we dine at the table of the Lord today? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, forgive us for being the ones in the kitchen. You said you have prepared a table before us. Not just a sample table, but a banquet table. God, we've been caught up in the kitchen trying to work something out, trying to make something happen. You asked us to come and dine, to sup with you, to eat with you. 
So God, don't let us leave here today without this word penetrating our hearts. Don't let us leave today without this word stirring us deeper and deeper and deeper. God, would you awaken dead places in us? God, would you bring forth faith, God, where there's been faithlessness? God, would you bring life into deserts today in this place? God, would you, would you speak to the rock and let a rivers of living waters flow today in this house? God, where there's been deserts, would you bring forth gardens? Stir in us faith, God. Stir in us the ability to believe that when we walk from here today, that you are more than enough. So let us walk in this word today. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we have one last PM service tonight before we break for the holidays. So join us, please, tonight from 5 to 6 to pray and from 6 to 7 for our PM service.